Hey, y'all. Welcome to the Filmmaker Toolkit Podcast. My name is Sarah Shackett. I am a writer for the craft team over at IndieWire. And today, honestly, we have one of the most fun conversations that I have ever had on this show. I got the chance to talk to Kelly Freeman Craig, who is the writer-director of Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret, which is, of course, the new adaptation of the classic children's book. But whether you were big into Judy Bloom or you read exclusively Redwall in elementary school, this film is pretty timeless. Um, and I got the chance to talk to Kelly about creating a very gentle sense of period um, and nostalgia for the look of the film, how she thinks about writing and editing as complementary parts of the process, what is so interesting about awkwardness and scenes of self-consciousness, and a whole lot more. It is a fantastic conversation about a truly lovely film. Um, so please enjoy this talk with Kelly Freeman Craig. I would love to to start at the the start of the film and the the camp montage um, in the opening, and it feels like that the the visual emphasis and and sort of the moments that you're capturing do a phenomenal job of teaching the audience how to look at the world through Margaret's eyes. And I, I'm I'm curious for you to to sort of talk about the decision to start there and and kind of what you wanted to to emphasize um, at the start of the film. What I really was hoping to represent in that first montage was sort of the last breath of childhood. Mm. And and also that time in your life before self-consciousness has been introduced. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I like I remember this very distinct change in my life when I suddenly um, was aware of myself, was aware of like people, you know, looking at me and judging me. And you know what I mean? Like I was very, I remember that, but I remember the time before that when I had no self-consciousness and I was just like two eyeballs looking out at the world and my whole sense of self was just everything I saw, everything yeah. in front of me. So I, there was such like freedom and abandon in that. And like your, your hair's a mess and you have like a popsicle mustache and you know, and all these things and you don't know and you don't care, you know? So I really was trying to represent that and then have it pressed up against what happens next in the film, which is suddenly Margaret is very self-conscious about you know, um, about how she looks and how she measures up to to the people next to her, you know, to her, her peers and stuff like that. It's, it's such a short little thing, but it felt so important to me. How do you take that from sort of idea to, you know, kind of like a visual plan and, and kind of creating like, because it, it just, it feels like this sun-drenched end of childhood, as you say. And so I'm curious kind of how you think about translating that visually. I really, I really wanted it to be down and dirty the way that we filmed it. I wanted to just encourage the kids to be kids. Mm -hmm. And, and so, I mean, it was like, we just threw them in the lake with, you know, with, with inner tubes and, you know, and gave them popsicles and had them running around and sweating. And so it was just, a lot of it was just encouraging them to be themselves and then just having the camera be a fly on the wall and just catch these little moments. And so then when I got into the edit, it was just it was just going through and grabbing those little gems that felt like they represented that that abandon. I'm so glad you brought up the edit because I think the editing in this film is extraordinary. I remember being particularly struck by the the montage where they're all getting ready for the party. Yes. And we sort of see all four of these girls' personalities in how they interact with their parents and what they're wearing and how they 
how nervous they are or whatever. Um, I would love to hear about structuring that as well. I, I'm so glad you, you're asking me all the questions that I'm so excited to answer because I haven't gotten to talk about any of Good. this. But um, uh, I actually think of those two montages as like opposite ends of the spectrum. So uh -huh. I thought about the two of them together all the time because the first one represented this like total lack of self-consciousness and this abandon and then and then the next one is all about how do I look? Do am I okay? You know what I mean? Right, right. Like and it's everybody's sort of different version of that. You know, um, Nancy shaving her legs, um, Janie getting her hair, you know, her mom doing her hair in that very specific way. Yeah. Um, all of those little things that, you know, um, th that each of us individually focus on and worry about, you know, wanting to capture that. Yeah, absolutely. And it was very cool for like it's it's small and it's not commented on in the film at all, but just like very cool to see a young African-American girl get her hair straightened. Like, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, that I have to give so much credit to my assistant who that's that's the way that she got ready. And she was so wonderful in terms of just getting all those details down for me and I I mean I literally I feel like she she, she deserves like a directing credit for that scene because I was like I want you to be with me by yeah, my yeah, side yeah. every second of this and like let's make sure that it's right and we're really capturing it and um so I'm so grateful to her because I think I, I think details like that matter in terms of details one thing that that struck me that I, I was this is grounded in 1970 in in sort of the period of the book but the look of the film feels a little bit timeless and so I'm, I'm curious to to ask you about sort of your your vision for for navigating the periodness of it and also having all of the characters just look relatable that was the other thing that was just at the center of my mind the whole time as i was thinking about how to build this world visually because i think one of the magic tricks of the book is that anybody who reads it any decade feels experiences it as contemporary yeah i mean when i read it in 1990 I had no idea it was written 20 years prior. So I was projecting all my own childhood images, the, you know, of the 90s onto onto everything. And the book cover looked like it was contemporary, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I did so I had no idea. So one of the one of the big challenges was how do you do that in a film? Because the difference between a book and a film is I have to choose visually. Like I have to set us in a time period and all those things and make choices. And I really, what I didn't want was for for it to feel alienating to people who who didn't grow up in 1970 or had seen it differently in their minds. Right. You know, so so I was trying to thread this needle between both of the time and also timeless. Yeah, and, and that was something I really like. That was a challenge I really issued to the production designer, Steve Sacklett, and our costume designer, Ann Roth. I, I think they somehow pulled that off. You know, I think Margaret's room, for instance, my yeah, my, my hope was that her room would feel like, yeah, you could see that in 1970, but you could also see it in 1980 or today. You know what I mean? Um, that it would just have this sort of timeless nostalgia that everybody could sort of was able to feel back into their own childhood. Right. And it feels like the kids have that slightly more timeless quality. And then, you know, the older adults, I think particularly um, Kathy Bates, feels of the period. And yes. So having that balance. Yes, 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 totally. Which I also, I don't know if most people feel this way, but that 
is always how my grandma felt. Yeah. To me. Like she, <laughs> oh, you know, it's like she had the hairdo that she had when she was like 30 and like never changed it. Never mm-hmm. changed her style. Like that was it, you know? Is there anything in terms of, you know, your sense of the the visual language uh, of the film in terms of the look or in terms of how the camera behaves mm-hmm. that kind of developed or, or, or changed at all over the course of, of working on it? Or was it kind of, did you just kind of have a, a set kernel and it was about realizing it? There was an idea I had in my mind. I knew I, I, could, I could feel it, but I, I had trouble articulating it exactly mm-hmm. until my DP, Tim Ives, um, came in and he saw, he looked at all the, all the photographs that I had, I had put on the wall of my office. And I, all I could say about it was just feelings, adjectives, you know what I mean? Yeah. But he was actually the one who said, oh, you like this, you like this type of light. Like he could actually figure out technically what it was that I was responding to, which I honestly wasn't even able to articulate for myself until he did that for me, which, awesome. is, which feels like such a gift, you know? And also just that he was able to realize that, you yeah. know, he was able, because very often you have something in your head, but you it's hard to get what's in your head you know manifest in reality absolutely (laughs) um and and so often he was able to do that and that was really just such a terrific collaboration and he's such a kind and sensitive and gentle man so what is the kind of light that you were responding to one thing i i really love is this is this sort of like side light this light that like cuts through and creates little like like dappled light on the floor. Um, uh, there's something about that, like light streaming through a window that mm. for some reason, I guess, like it just evokes something nostalgic for me. I just, it feels like home to me. I don't yeah. know quite why, but you know, where the carpet sort of lit up in places. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was it a similar kind of process of just like doing the telepathy of getting an idea from your head into in into the world um, in the edit, or were the, there a little bit more experimentation or iteration in terms of kind of how how the film came together and its structure? I love the editing process. Um, awesome. I love it because you can sort of like you can try everything, and also that's to me really where the movie comes together. I feel like when I'm uh, when I'm on the set, I'm just get gathering a bunch of choices so Mm. I'm always like encouraging encouraging the actors especially the kids to improvise and to play and try wildly different things Um, because I think sort of the worst thing is when you wind up in the edit and you have six takes that are all the same Mm -hmm. you know like you, you want to have a real range because once you're in there that's when you start to build it and you realize you need a little more this here or a little more that or you know you you're turning dials. Yeah. And also, because I do like to improvise so much, there are little gems that you that come out of every every time you improvise. Like and it's it can be the whole ninety five percent of it, it doesn't work, but the five percent that does like winds up in the movie because there's just some little nugget that's yeah. just nuanced and real. And um, so a lot of what I do is um is sit with sit with my editor and we, we go fishing for those nuggets. We look through all the dailies and we just grab those things that just make us feel something or make mm-hmm. us laugh and put them in a bin. And then and then she went off and, 
you know, and would and would put them together and would weave them through. Um, yeah, I That's love awesome. love that process. I, and also, just you see you see the things you don't need when you're editing. Very often, the lesson is like you need less than you think you do. Yeah. You know? No, that makes a ton of sense. Yeah. Um, so I like I really I like that process of whittling something down to to just what is necessary and nothing more. Like I, you know, yeah. You've made two different films, but they are about uh, young women at different stages of their lives. Do those nuggets or, or kind of where they appear or, or what is, is it a little bit different from high school to elementary or um, I'm curious if kind of the things you were focused on or the things yeah. that made you feel something were, were of a different kind. I feel in a lot of ways they have a similar DNA. Um, they, I think they do go back act, actually to this same sort of feeling of self-consciousness, mm-hmm. although I think that they are self-conscious about different things. You know, I mean, when I was when I was this age, I was so worried about what my body was doing or not doing, in my case, not doing, because I was a very late bloomer, you know, and I was praying to God for a decent pair of boobs for for (laughs) years, it seemed like. Um, But I think in Edge of 17, it's the self-consciousness is more, um, I'm a mess and and everyone has it figured out except me. You know, it's 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 an emotional self-consciousness. It's a something is wrong with me, you know. And I think with Margaret, she has a similar something is wrong with me. Like, I'm not normal. Oh, God. And I don't know. I, I wonder if I've asked myself a lot, like, why am I so drawn to these stories, you know? And I think there is something about this time that really makes you do a lot of self-exploration that I don't know, that I feel like I've been doing all of my life. Like I'm on that kind of coming of age trajectory over and over and over again. I feel like I'm on it right now. Right. I mean, I have to say, like going, doing press stuff and everything, this is new for me. I feel like an awkward 12 year old, you know? And I'm like, I can't, I cannot escape it. I'm just doing it over and over again. So yeah. No, it's just life a little bit. It's just life, yeah. There's a lot of wonderful things uh, visually in this film, but Rachel McAdams standing in a room that doesn't have a couch is one of them. (laughs) And (laughs) I would love to hear about both in the scripting, creating the balance between Margaret and Barbara and and also in terms of, of, filming and, and editing as well because it, it feels so important that that Barbara goes on a journey too. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I when I reread the book because I read it when I was 11 and then didn't reread it until I was you know, an adult. I was so suddenly interested in Barb, who I did not care at all about when I was 11. Of course. Who cares what the adults are doing, you know? Um, but as a, you know, as an adult and as a mom, I was really taken by her. And there was only a little bit about her in the book um, because it's really from Margaret's point of view. Um, but that little bit interested me and I wanted to see what would happen if we explored her further. Yeah. And in particular, what I wanted to explore with her was this inner struggle between trying to be the kind of mom that you think, you know, that your kid deserves um, and also giving time and attention to the work that you love, you know, and that's something that I struggle with 
still. You know, I, I, I am constantly trying to find that balance and I'm constantly like just crushed under the weight of my maternal guilt. <laughs> I mean, I'm just I constantly feel like I don't know if I'm doing it right. You know, that's another thing that makes me feel like an awkward 12 year old is being a mom. I never know if I'm doing it right. And I feel like the stakes of that job are so high. Like, if I do it wrong, I will screw this kid up for life. Like, I'm already like, oh, God, what is he going to, what is he going to, he's going to go to, you know, he's going to be in therapy in 10 years talking about, like, my mom, this and that. I'm like, oh, God, I, I'm trying so hard not to, do, not to, you know, <laughs> but I know I probably will. I'm, I, I'm doing things wrong, you know, and it kills me. There's the, this wonderful equality to the camera and in terms of how we see things affect everybody, not just Margaret, which feels really unusual for a coming-of-age film and, and uh, intentional, I am sure. Yeah. No, thank you so much for saying that, because that, it was important to me to show, to get out of her POV in moments to see how the adults in her life are being affected by this journey yeah. as well. Because, you know, because like you said, it's we're never not growing up. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's hard no matter what age you are. And the religion thing, I will say, was, um, first of all, it was so important to me to represent um, those places of worship in a way that felt respectful and yeah. beautiful, you know, first of all. But part of what just knocked me flat about the book when I reread it is this kid in the throes of adolescence, which is a time of such uncertainty, reaching out for something greater, which to me was just so resonant because, of course, at this time when you feel like the earth is shifting under your feet and you're really, you're scared, you want to know that somebody is in charge of it all and going to make sure you're going to turn out okay. And, and the way that she carves out that sense of spirituality in her own way was was also very interesting to me that that she doesn't find it in these traditional places but she finds a connection to the to something greater alone in her room yeah i loved that yeah was it always conceived of as um her talking to god was gonna turn into voiceover or was there any version of it where it was just always gonna stay with her in the room i always knew that it was going to be both i always cool. knew that it was going to have to be both but finding that and finding how it gets threaded through was also was a process Word. you know what i mean it was a process in the edit where you're sort of feeling um, okay, uh, is everything working the way that we need it to? Do we need a little more here? You know, has the has the conversation dropped out for too long? You know, it, it, feeling it. Yeah, because those, you're right. Those conversations do sort of come in crisis moments. Yeah, sort of finding the timing of those, I would imagine, would be tricky. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Just in terms of, uh, you know, you mentioned a little bit the importance of improvising and letting kids play. Mm -hmm. I, I would love to just sort of ask you a little bit more about um, your directing process with uh, younger actors and kind of what's important. What do you have them focus on? Is there any extra prep that you have them do or anything like that? The biggest thing I'm actually trying to do is just get them really comfortable. We talk a lot about character so they understand who they are, but I don't like to rehearse the scene. In fact, I'll give them blocking, but that's it. I, I try to never rehearse the scene and just shoot because I also don't know. 
I like to give the actors an opportunity to to play it the way they heard it in, in, in their heads before I tell them anything and to get that on camera. Um, and then we start to play. But also with the kids in particular, like I said, I love... I love to encourage them to just act in character. And very often I actually say, okay, I know that's your monologue, but now you got to tell the same story, but you can't say any of those words. And there's something about that that I think is so um, helpful and freeing because, you know, it just, it requires them to be completely in the moment. And then it requires the other people in the scene to be in the moment because they don't know what's going to be said, you know? And so everything just, uh, you know, I think starts to feel more alive and fresh and you sh- and, and you can shake them out of that sort of memorization of the lines, which sometimes can just dull the, the feeling of the lines, you know? And also the other part of it is very often they come up with things that I could have never come up with as a writer, you know? There's, there's one particular scene where they are looking at the anatomy book uh. for the first time and they see the, the scientific drawing of the penis. And that actually was a scene where I just set up the camera and I opened the book and I said, just react. <laughs> just whatever, whatever comes to your mind when you see this drawing say it and that is what's on film that everything they say about that that picture is really what they thought of it (laughs) so yeah I could have never come up with it looks like a thumb (laughs) that line in particular just I cried laughing the just disdain dripping in their voices too it's great Oh, the fear of preteen boys everywhere. I know, totally. (laughs) Can I also ask about, like, it feels in terms of of the girls, like the fancy New York restaurant where Nancy gets her period um, and that sequence, because she's such a brat. And then then you get to have that moment with her in the stall. So I'm curious about what was important to you about that. The characters who are the worst behaved are often the most interesting to me because I'm like, oh, how did you become that way? You know, you know, that scene in particular in the bathroom. So was so important to me to get right, because I think that it shows this other side of Nancy that is just a kid who's scared. And also one of the things that I think um, Kate, who plays uh, Mrs. Wheeler, Nancy's mom did, is the way that she reacts in that moment is I think so telling of their relationship because in that moment Nancy like desperately needs a hug but her mom is just sort of into the practicality of it and like oh there's a stain on the dress you know I mean it's like she's thinking of those things the mess of it and like okay we need the pad and blah blah and I thought that was so telling about their relationship and sort of why Nancy is the way that she is you know I think they both were so terrific in that scene and um, and Elle who plays Nancy, one of the really, really wonderful moments on set was she was she was doing that scene and she did she did a few takes and they were wonderful. Then she says to me, do you mind if I just talk to my mom for a second? And I was like, yeah, sure, sure. She goes over and she just hugs her mom and her mom hugs her and her mom whispers something to her and it's just like the tightest hug. And then she comes back and she delivers that take that just like the cameraman was crying. I mean, we all were like, whoa, what? Wow. And I thought there was just something so incredible about, you know, 
the strength that her mom gave her in that moment, you know, just just to like have your mom hold on to you and let you know you can do this, you can you can let it all go, you know. Um, that was a really cool, really cool moment. That kid is just wonderful. I'm I'm always curious with with different directors. Like, what is your way through some of these montages? Is it music? Is it sort of color and matching action? Oh, that's a really yes. Um, music is a big, big thing. Like, I we have to find the song first, or or at least something that's. Um, that feels like it has the energy of the song, even if we haven't had the found the song exactly yet. So that that feels like it leads it. Yeah, and very often it's trying to pick these little gems. It's the same thing where it's like you're kind of going fishing for those um, those little moments that feel real. How do you feel about like the the script as as a, a blueprint? Do you write very visually? Do you try and just try and and, and capture the tone that you're going for? I'm so glad you're asking because I geek out over how writers write. I because we it's so solitary. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's like you don't ever know how other people write. So no, I'm actually not very visual. I see when I write, I am each character, so I'm seeing through their eyeballs and feeling through their body. So it's like it's like I'm jumping around each different person, and then it's only later that I, I sort of step back and I think about the staging or where, like you know, all of those other things. Initially, as I'm writing, it's I can actually I can feel it, it's interesting. I can feel the light. I can feel the light and the mood and stuff like that. So that's one thing I can I'm always aware of. But those those sort of visual details I don't figure out until later. And I'm also. A lot of times people will say, oh, did you envision this person while you were writing this, this ca- you know, this cast? I, I never do that for whatever reason. I, I can't actually see the person. I'm like hearing them and feeling them. But I never see a face, which is very, very odd. You know, only later after after I've written it, do I think about like, OK, which actors give me that feeling and sort of sound that way that makes a ton of sense because it's i I, the act of writing is is uh, as you say sort of like embodying yes the characters yes exactly judy bloom said i heard her say she hears her characters but never sees them and i thought that was it's so interesting how everybody does it this this the answer to this may be no because you don't want to get in your own head Uh uh-huh uh but did you try and sort of take anything of Judy Bloom's style that you wanted to incorporate either into the script or visually? Really, it was the feeling that her work gave me. Um, and the feeling that her work gives me is that it's always honest. She's always telling the truth. It also rides a certain line where it's almost like it's it's a little scary how honest it is. It kind of makes you go, are we allowed to say that? You know, um, so that's that's the feeling Judy Bloom gives me. So, you know, uh, for instance, filming the scene with um, Margaret trying on the pad for the first time. Yeah. Like that was something that felt a little like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe we're seeing this. I mean, something that's so simple and that and ordinary and that half the population does. But for some reason, I don't think I've ever seen it on film um, in that way. So it felt 
it felt a little electric, something about it, you know? And there was another, I'll, I'll say there was another detail where um, I wanted to add the thing about when Gretchen says it kind of has a kind of has a smell. It smells like the monkey bars, you know? Yeah. I, like, there's something about that, the reason, you know? And then Janie's like, I used to love the monkey bars. Um, but the reason that, part of the reason I wanted to include that is because it, it almost crosses a line right. where people could be like, oh, oh, why did you have to go there? Come TMI. on. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And that's, I think, what Judy Bloom did. There's a li- almost t- TMI. But for whatever reason, I, as a reader and viewer, I like that. I want the truth. Even I like that feeling of where it almost embarrasses me. And it feels like so weirdly affirming because as as you said, it's it's the mundane details of life. Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. Like exactly. when they're in the the pharmacy, like buying the pads. Yeah. And it feels like the most stealth spy mission. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That thing that was really scary to do until I realized it was incredibly normal. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> totally. Yeah, but at that age, it's just, yeah, the stakes feel so high. And then it complements, like, I I would also love to ask you about uh, the scene where Barbara parent, Barbara's parents show up for dinner. Mm. Um, and then Herb's parents show up yes. for dinner. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Because that feels honest too, in a way that's uncomfortable. Yes. Uh, but the films, I think, prepared you for that. So I'm, I'm curious how you thought about that that moment. Uh, that was one of the hardest shoot, uh, scenes to shoot because uh, in so many different ways. I mean, because there's so many different people, so you have so many camera setups because you're trying to get everybody. Um, and there are so many emotional turns. So it was absolutely the hardest scene that I shot. One of the really big challenges was to ride that line of comedy and drama and, you know, and let us laugh, you know, and and feel the laugh and the discomfort, but then at some point have it turn and just get a little dark and not cool. You know what I mean? Have it go too far. And so finding that line was, um, was something that happened, you know, was something that that we discovered on set, but then also happened in the edit when yeah. you know when you put it in front of an audience and you realize, okay, we you know you almost need a little breath. It needs to get darker before Margaret explodes, like th- those sorts of things. And that's like timing reactions or finding another angle or things like that. Yes, it, yeah, it's all of those things. And also, it was really important to me that every all of those different characters, even as they're behaving badly believe that they're in the right, you know, and are heartbroken. And they're all they're all sort of expressing that. And then they everybody feels like they fucked up at the end, you know, um, and doesn't quite know how to repair it. And and unfortunately, like the worst casualty is Margaret. Those were really tough days. It was also 90 degrees in the house and we were it was shooting during COVID and you're wearing N95 masks. And like so it was physically grueling, too, on top of everything. In actually New Jersey, or where did you guys shoot? No, we actually shot in North Carolina. Oh, dope. We, we, yeah, we were going to shoot in New Jersey, but it was right around COVID when that was, it was the beginning, you know, the beginning of COVID where it was, that was the, the, the epicenter was New York and New Jersey. So we had to move to a quick plan B. 
thank you for some really amazing, thoughtful answers. This was so much fun to geek out with you. Uh, I really thank you so much for asking such like great, thoughtful questions. My, my absolute pleasure. Thank you for making a wonderful film. Oh my gosh. <laughs>